So that in my head was going to go way better, but my iPad wants a passcode instead of my face, and that really threw me off. And so we're, we're already off to a bad start. So good morning. Uh, my name is Kel Boer, and I get to serve as the teaching pastor here at LifePoint Delaware. If you're a guest, that's definitely true. It's possibly not true. So some of you were like, who is this guy? I already, why did we come here on Father's Day? What is going on? So uh, some of you know me because my wife and I used to live over on Night Dream right over here when we worked at LifePoint Church in Lewis Center. And then they kicked us out and we planted a church in Mount Vernon. So I get to serve as the lead pastor of LifePoint Church in Mount Vernon. And I'm still really, really good friends with Kale. Love that dude and excited for his sabbatical. And I'm excited to get to uh, talk about Jesus with you all this morning. So pumped about what God is, is doing in Delaware through Life Point Delaware. I was here with Kale, uh, I don't know, a month ago maybe, and he was showing me there was still a wall there, and he was showing me this, and just really, really exciting stuff. And so if you were here last week, you know that we're in this series in Ecclesiastes called Under the Sun, and, and we're looking at Solomon's teaching on like how can we how can we find, find meaning in, in life? And so one, one favor I would ask of you, so I use the whiteboard every Sunday because that's what Jesus commanded us in the Word. And so if you could email Kale and just say, even if you don't mean it, just like, hey, I know you're on sabbatical, but this is really important to me. The whiteboard was the best thing ever. If you don't use it, like, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be friends. That would make me really happy if you were willing to do that. So, so we've got one big idea. If you forget the other things, this is the thing that I, that I hope that, that you remember uh, from our time together this morning. And it's a really simple, kind of obvious statement. We all want to feel good, right? And you don't, you don't need the Bible to, to know that, that I want to feel good, you want to feel good. We all, we all want to feel good. And there's this corresponding question that I'd like you to, to think about in our, in our time together this morning. And um, it's, it's this question. Do you think you can trust Jesus? So, I want to feel good, right? And unless you're crazy, you also want to feel good. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, where we're going to be today, we're going to see Solomon kind of telling us about this search that he went on. And what's crazy to think about is Solomon's a king, he's rich, he's in charge, he's successful, he has everything that you might think that you would want, and yet something's missing. And he's like, look, I'm going to go on a search for meaning. Like, I, I want to I feel good. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I want to feel good. If I were to ask you what you think, um, do you think you can trust Jesus? And, and the challenge for all of us, and I, I love to draw part of the while of the whiteboard. So, so if you, you know, think of here's, you know, you or me, and we're, we're all living our, our happy little lives. And, and there's two, two paths that, that we can choose from. And, and the path to the left, it has, you know, road signs, and they're all smiley faces, right? And then the other path, the path to the right, is also marked with road signs. And those road signs look like a cross. They look like self-sacrifice. They look like self-denial. Jesus says to us in the Gospels, if anyone wants to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily. You're going to have to deny yourself. And what is tempting for, for me and tempting for you, I think, if you're like me, is I want to feel good. And I look at this path in my kind of daily decision making, 
and it looks like it's going to feel really good. It looks like I might be able to find that satisfaction and meaning. And, you know, because sometimes you're like you, you feel some type of way and you're like, I don't like how I, what can I, what can I do? What can I do to feel better than I do right now? And the path to the left with smiley face signs looks, looks like it might work. What Jesus tells us is it actually leads to death and following him is, is really the only way to, to find that sense of joy and satisfaction that we all long for. We all, we all want to feel good, but do, do you think you can trust Jesus? And so I'm going to take a moment and, and pray for us before we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we're just going to try to see what Solomon did and see what he learned and see how that might help us to maybe think about this kind of stuff. But would you, would you join me in prayer, please? Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we, we praise you and thank you. God, it is such a, a gift and a privilege for us to be able to be here together. God, to worship you through song and to worship you through studying your word. God, as we turn our attention now to your holy and perfect word, Father, we acknowledge to you that we are desperate for your help. Father, please be here by your Holy Spirit, God, helping us to see and behold wonderful things out of your word. God, our, our hope is that every single one of us would trust Jesus and love Jesus and obey Jesus more because we were here. And, and Father, we, we can't do those things without your help. And so, Father, as we take this time to direct our attention to you, um, God, would you please um, do those things in us. Um, God, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. So here Solomon writes, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity or meaningless vapor mist. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil." Then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Whenever I'm feeling kind of down, I just read Ecclesiastes, and it just, just picks, me, picks me right up. It's real, 
aren't you so glad you're here? You're like, man, it's a guest speaker, it's Ecclesiastes 2, what, is, what are we doing here? And so, uh, so we're going to, uh, for the rest of our time together, we're going to answer uh, three questions, and then as is appropriate, we're going to consider Jesus. And so our, our map for the rest of our time is this. What did Solomon do? And then related to that, uh, what did he learn? And then we'll ask the question, okay, so we've, you know, we've talked about what Solomon did and we've talked about what he learned, like how, how could that maybe somehow help us to, to do this stuff? And then last of all, we'll ask the question, is there anything in this passage that, that points our attention to to Jesus. And so, so first question, if you were listening when we read the text, it's a pretty simple answer, right? And so, so what did Solomon do? So he, he did what we might call a pleasure test, right? He said, hey, I want to feel good. You want to feel good. I'm on this search for feeling good, for meaning, for satisfaction in life. You know what might work? Pleasure, right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It looks like kind of the smiley face road. And so let me try pleasure to see if, if that could somehow bring me the satisfaction that I, that I long for. And so he did all, all kinds of stuff, right? And so he tried, I'll put substances, but he specifically pointed out alcohol. He talked about, I'll characterize it as, as success, right? He did all kinds of amazing things. He's like building gardens and all of this, all of this awesome, uh, awesome stuff that he's doing. I forgot the third S. I'm going to go, oh yeah, stuff, right? Like he not, not only had success, but he talks about how like he's hoarding silver and gold. He has all these singers that are there to entertain him. He has so much stuff in addition to being wildly successful. And then one of the last things he mentioned, he used the word concubines, but he's like, hey, I acquired concubines for myself. And so Solomon is trying to go about like, how could I live this meaningful life that's full of joy and pleasure and awesomeness? You know what might work? Pleasure. Let's Let's see if, if I just get really, really good at cheering my body with alcohol or some other substance. Man, is that, is that it? Is that, is that, that um, you know what, maybe, and he, and he talks about how he maintained his wisdom throughout. So he's not like this raging alcoholic who's like in the ditch every Monday morning. He's still exercising wisdom throughout because he's, he's doing this experiment for us. Okay, well, maybe it wasn't, maybe substances is not the answer. Maybe it's just success. I surpassed everyone who has come before me in Jerusalem. I did it better than any of them. Is that, will that, will that get me there, Solomon? Is that going to help me feel the way I want to feel? Stuff, silver and gold, piles of it everywhere. I mean, as a pastor, I can relate. And so, you know, I've got just, that's a joke, right? So, um, so much stuff. Actually, we do have so, so, our culture, so much stuff, right? And then sex, like lots and lots and lots of sex. He's got like a billion wives and a billion concubines and tons of sex, did it work according to what we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2? And you can read the rest. The answer is the same. What he learned is pleasure isn't the answer. That's what he learned. Whatever the answer is, and Ecclesiastes, as part of the Old Testament, the Old Testament delights in, in showing more than telling oftentimes. And so it, all this week, it was a struggle to think, like, what do we, what do, we do now, right? Because there, there are no, like, commands in this passage, like, okay, like, go do this now. Or there's no, like, like and then Jesus solves all of our problems. It's not in Ecclesiastes 2. But what, what maybe could we, could we learn 
from Solomon's search for that feel-good feeling, for satisfaction, for, for joy. And so I'm going to say one thing that, that should be really, really obvious, and then we'll kind of ask, ask ourselves two, two questions. And so the first thing that, that is really, really obvious from what Solomon did is so, sometimes we, we don't feel like we want to feel. And we're not exactly sure what we're, what we're longing for. We just know that what I feel right now is not, not the answer to that. Sometimes what we think is that more is the answer. And here's what I mean. You're, you're doing one or two or all four of these, and it's not working, just like it didn't work for Solomon. You're like, yeah, it's, maybe it's uh, enough alcohol, or, you know, hopefully weed's going to be legal soon, you're thinking, and, like, we, it'll be that, or, you know, maybe, no, not that. It's just going to be, if I'm just really good at my job, and that will bring income to my family, and so if I can just be just the best in my company, the best in my field, if I can be the best, if I can be better than anyone who came before me, and then I'll also have lots of stuff, not for me, but to provide for my family, then, and it's not working, so maybe the answer is more. I just need more success or more stuff. None of us is ever going to exceed Solomon in his success. He's the king, right? That's not even an option for us. Or his stuff, like how much wealth he was able to accumulate for himself. And so, so first off, right away it becomes obvious, whatever the answer is, it's not on this list of pleasure, and the problem, if you've been trying and it's not been working, the answer is not, is not more. And so, so two questions for us to, to think about. So the one and, and we've already, you know, really already talked about this. Um, are you trusting Jesus? Not just for your salvation, although that's really important, and I hope that you are doing that. But you want to feel good. You want to live a life that's satisfying and meaningful. And yeah, like me too, like me too. Are you trusting Jesus? And, and I want to emphasize to you that, that that's not a past tense kind of question. I'm not asking you, did you trust Jesus? I'm asking you, are you trusting Jesus? Because the challenge that we have is because we all, we all want to feel good. And so there, there are things like timing, right? So, so it's not that I want to feel good like broadly or in some generic sense. I want to feel good yesterday. And sometimes in my following of Jesus, Feeling good is a not yet sort of thing. Feeling good is a, Adam, you need to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. And Adam, you, you need to trust that that's the way to go, that that's the best way to live, that if you try to cling on to your life, ultimately, Adam, you're going to to lose it, but Jesus, I want to feel good now. Well, maybe I'll have to wait a little bit for that. I don't want to wait. I don't like waiting. Are you trusting Jesus? 
there's not just timing, but there's intensity, right? Like some of us, so this is such a random story, but I was thinking about this week. So my wife and I got to officiate a wedding, or I officiated a wedding. She came with me, and it was up in Amish country on uh, the rehearsal was Thursday, and then Friday was the actual ceremony. And so if you've been to Amish country, you know that it's beautiful, right? And so, so my wife and I were staying at this thing called the Troyer House, and it's hills everywhere, and so we're on top of this hill, and it was pretty cool Thursday evening, and there was this storm coming in, and so there was this breeze that was blowing. And in that moment, I, I couldn't help but find myself rejoicing in how amazingly kind God is. Because, and again, it's a small thing, right? But you ever felt like a breeze on your face? And it's just way more delightful than it should be. It was one of those. And for some of us, that level of intensity doesn't cut it. You're like, yeah, I see that, you know, God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike, and he's giving me all these, like, little moments to rejoice in him and to be thankful to him, but I want it yesterday, and I don't want the kind of joy that comes from, like, a cool breeze on my face on a beautiful summer evening with my spouse. That's not going to cut it for me. I, I want something much more intense, which leads us to kind of the last thing. Um, if you're trusting Jesus, you're not in control. Because the thing with Solomon and his story in Ecclesiastes 2 was he was in control, right? Like he was in charge. He was calling shots. Okay, that didn't work. Time for the next thing. That didn't work. Time for the next Like he was in charge. He was in control. And some of us, we really, really struggle to not be in control. We all want to feel good. Do you think you can trust Jesus? So the second thing um, that we'll talk about here That's a question mark, by the way. That's an S. If you're in the back, you can't see it anyway. Um, it's barely legible from the front row. So, so the second thing I'd like you to think about, because some of us, we walked into this room, like, you love Jesus, you trust Jesus, me too, great. Now, again, is it a, sometimes a struggle for us to choose the path of cross-carrying versus the path of smiley faces? Yes, right? Like choosing holiness over happiness, daily struggle, yes, right? But a lot of us walked into the room do, we, do you love Jesus? Yes, I do. Do you trust him? Yes, I do. Are you good at it yet? I don't know if I'm good at it yet, but it's, so, it's really important to me. Great. Like, me too. Okay. Do, do you know any Solomons in your life? They, just like you and me, they want to feel good. And they're searching they don't know the answer is Jesus yet. But you know them, and you love them. You have a relationship with them. The question I want to ask you, I don't know what language you guys use, but, but for us, we would say, who's your one? Right? Like, do you, do you know someone and as far as you know, they don't know. Now, sometimes we're surprised, right? Like you talk to someone and you're like, I don't think they know. And then you talk to them like, they know. It's amazing. Now we can talk about Jesus together because they also know. Pleasant surprise. But sometimes when we think, okay, I don't think this person knows Jesus, we're actually right. 
And so, again, the question for us is, do, do we kind of just shrug our shoulders and be like, well, you know, like they, they seem happy. Have you ever found yourself thinking that about your, your friends, coworkers, family members who don't yet know the Lord? I do. You know what I have to find myself resisting actively is this lie that people are fine with or without Jesus. Because it's kind of sad to think about them not being fine. And I don't like to feel sad. I like to feel good. But what if Jesus is actually telling us the truth when he says that if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it? But if you want to find your life, if you want to have life, like the the happy ending to the story, you're going to have to trust Jesus. You're going to have to pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow him. What if he's actually telling us the truth? And so I want to challenge you, as you think about Ecclesiastes 2, don't just take it as a personal challenge to do a little bit better at this sort of thing. Although, yes, that, right? Like, yes, you can trust Jesus. He's the best. But also, when you think about the city of Delaware, the county of Delaware, and the people that you live with, work with, play with, all the good things, is there someone that you know? And as far as you know, they don't know. Would you be willing to do whatever it takes to reach them? Would you be willing to pray for them? Would you be willing to talk with them sometime? Like maybe you invite them here. Maybe you invite them to your life group. Maybe you invite them to coffee. Like it's not complicated, right? Like, hey, it's, it's summer. Like we're going to grill out. Come over and hang out. I'd love to just hang out with you. And maybe the door for that conversation opens that night. Maybe not because it doesn't matter because you love them and you're trying to invest in that relationship. Uh, and if you don't currently have a one, I would challenge you. God has called you to notice the Solomons in your life and to at least try to tell them about Jesus. Which brings us to um, our last question. Um, Is there anything in, in this passage that points our attention to Jesus? And as always, the answer is yes, like probably more than we can count. One of the really, really simple ones that came to mind this week is Solomon in the text talked about how he acquired all of these slaves. And I was like, oh, that's like the anti-Jesus. Jesus doesn't acquire slaves. Jesus frees slaves from, from their sin. That's, that's cool. But the one that felt most obvious and poignant to me is that you have in Ecclesiastes this story about Solomon, who's this wise, rich king. And he's doing everything he can to seek the good life, to seek and savor the good life. And that made me think of Jesus. Because if you read in the Gospels, you're going to see a different story about a different king. Still wise, still rich, who does everything he can 
not to seek the good life, but to seek the lost, to seek and to save the lost. Solomon thought maybe pleasure is the answer. Jesus knew the cross is the answer. And you and I, we are invited to trust Jesus, the one who laid down his life so that we might find life in him. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, God, we love you and praise you and thank you. God, that you have given us your one and only son so that we might trust him be united to him by faith, and God, that we would recognize that when he tells us what to do, it is for our joy. Father, as we turn our attention here in a few moments to receiving communion, um, God, we, we ask that you would use this time to help every single one of us to reflect on, God, how we've been doing lately at trusting and following Jesus. God, you have been so abundantly merciful to us. God, you've given us far more joy than we could ever deserve. And God, there's so much more to come. So God, we ask for every single person here, God, that you would help us, that you would help us to know and love and trust your son, Jesus. We pray all of this in his holy name. Amen. So we are going to turn our attention to receiving communion. Um, If you didn't um, have a chance to grab the elements on the way in, um, our connections team will be making their way through, and if you can just kind of let them know that you uh, need some, they would love to get these for you. So when we receive communion, Jesus tells us that when we do this, we are to remember him. And so in this moment that we're about to do together, the first thing we do is we remember Jesus Christ the perfect, sinless son of God who was arrested, tortured, and then executed on a cross. On the third day, he rose again, and then he ultimately ascended to the right hand of God the Father. It is a moment to remember that outside of Christ, we were guilty. Outside of Christ, we were slaves to sin. And God so loved the world that he gave. And Jesus died so that we might be reconciled to God the Father through him. When we receive communion, it's not just remembering what Jesus has done, but it's also a response. So we respond in two principal ways. We respond first by repenting. It's pretty easy to get a little sideways in your relationship with Jesus to prioritize happiness over holiness, to prioritize feeling good over doing good. And this, it's a moment in our busy, busy, busy culture. Let's take a breath, slow down, and talk to the Lord to repent of any sin that we need to repent of. But it's not just repenting, it's also rejoicing. Rejoicing in our forgiveness, rejoicing in our new life that Jesus has won 
for his people, rejoicing in the opportunity that we have, that we, like, we know, we know that cross-carrying is the way to go. We, we know Solomon's in our lives, and we want to we wanna do a better job of reaching out to them, rejoicing in the possibility of our, our hope, our, our eternal life with Christ. There's so much to rejoice, and even if life is just the worst for you right now, there's so much to, to rejoice in. And so I know this is a, a little bit different than, than what you all often do, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to just, uh, here in a second, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're just going to pray on our own for, um, it'll be about three minutes, which for some of you will be two minutes and 30 seconds longer than you've ever prayed, and that's okay, right? That's okay. Um, And then to conclude that time, we'll pray out loud the Lord's Prayer together, and and then we'll receive communion. And so I I would encourage you where you are um, to take some time and to reflect on Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for you. Would you pray, please? Now, please um, join me in praying out loud the Lord's Prayer. Um, If you know the words, you can continue to bow your head and close your eyes. If you aren't sure what the words are, um, they'll be on the screen to uh, my left and right. But let's, let's pray as the Lord told us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would not please take off the top layer. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat. This is the blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Would you pray again with me, please? Father in heaven, we praise you for the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, our Lord. Father, we confess to you that it is so often so tempting to take the road full of smiley faces. God, would you please help us to rejoice in the finished work of Christ and to follow him wherever he may lead. We love you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name.